0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London, together living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm going to continue with a series that Andre started called Spirit Power. It's on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is why we have the word gifts and all these gifts here. If you may be wondered what on earth... Oh. Doing in church. So maybe this is your thing, you you're excited about the Holy Spirit, you're familiar with the Holy Spirit. Maybe this is something that makes you come alive. Maybe you're not familiar with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you didn't even know that there's something like gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if you are that person tonight, you can just relax and enjoy the ride, okay? You are there's no pressure. But I'm gonna share with you a few of my stories. So I started just my exposure to the Holy Spirit and just my journey. So I grew up in a very traditional church. Most of you would would have heard that before. And my exposure to the Holy Spirit was very limited. Nobody talked about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And in my church where I grew up, nobody really spoke about the Holy Spirit. And I was unexposed to the Holy Spirit when I was 16 years old, when somebody prayed for me to be filled. With the Holy Spirit. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you must come to our Encounter One seminar. Amen? There we're going to answer all your questions. So if I say things tonight that you don't understand, it means that you must come to Encounter One, because there we're going to explain all your questions. So somebody prayed for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and three things changed in my life. And it was, it was very distinct changes, so I'll never forget it. The first one was, I never doubted again that I was going to heaven. Because even though I gave my life to Jesus when I was 13, I, I, had, a, I had constant doubts. So I would, I would give my life to God, and then I would give my life to God again. I would give my life to God again, because what if? What if I don't make heaven? So I was living in that constant place of doubt. And when somebody prayed for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is a separate thing to salvation or an additional thing, it can happen on the same day or the same moment even, But for me, there was a season of six, not six, three years before I was filled with the Holy Spirit, after I gave my life to God. So I never, after that prayer, doubted again. So I knew something powerful happened. So the doubt disappeared completely. Not in all the years after that had I one moment where I doubted whether I'm going to heaven or not. Second thing that happened, the Bible started coming alive, where well, I was reading the Bible, I was talking to God because remember I gave my life to him when I was thirteen, so I had a relationship with the Lord. But scripture was difficult for me to understand. There were many scriptures that didn't make sense. That I was I was reading, I was reading it again. And after I was filled with the Holy Spirit Scriptures just started making sense. It was beautiful. It transformed my relationship with God. Scriptures I've read in the past all of a sudden started making sense. The third thing that happened is I was very shy and I couldn't really share my faith with anybody. But I became bold after I was filled with the Holy Spirit. The the fear to share my faith, the fear to say that I'm a Christian and I'm following Jesus also disappeared. It was amazing. My life was very different after that. But apart from these three very distinct changes, something else happened. I received a gift. And that gift was one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I received the gift of praying in a language that I didn't understand. And I read about this in the Bible. And I I did my homework, okay? When when somebody prayed for me for for the Holy Spirit, I actually did a lot of homework before the time because I was scared. I was one of those people who were really scared of the Holy Spirit. So I studied certain things, and I made sure that I know what I'm in for. And when they prayed for me, I expected, you know, that possibly I could now receive a gift to speak in a different language, which is called a gift of tongues. And I expected kind of words just bubbling out of my mouth, and I was ready, and it didn't happen, and great was my surprise that it was actually quite difficult to speak these things that I heard in my mind, to speak it out, and I also, you know, was thinking it's going to be words, and it's going to be long words, And but, but it was kind of syllables, and it was it wasn't what I expected, and my brain seriously got in the way. And because I really loved the, uh, I was really bad at English when I was at school, but I loved the Afrikaans language, and I loved the part where we had to find the eight parts of speech, okay? Pronouns, nouns, verbs, adjectives, adverbs, prepositions, all those things, okay? I love, I was one of those painful people in class, I really liked those things. And I said to God, where are the nouns? in this language. Where's the nouns? Where's the verbs? Where's the adverbs? Where are the prepositions? They all sound the same length. They all sound like similar. And it's not a language. It can't be a language. So I was... I had the... You know... The, I I was... I was questioning God, you know. I was, I, I said, Lord, is this a real language? Is this, am I making this up? I'm sure some of you will know what I'm talking about because it's all kinds of questions we have when we go through this. And God said to me, Sonica, stop. Stop. Right here. You can't allow your tiny brain who understands the eight parts of speech only in the Afrikaans language, not even the English language properly. So you've got a grip on one language. And now you want to question this gift that I'm giving you. And God just said to me that I will never be able to receive more of the Holy Spirit if I am going to question everything about the Holy Spirit. And it was one of the very first lessons I learned with regards to the Holy Spirit and the gifts. And I had to let go. I had to receive it by faith. And I decided, praise God, I did it. I, I decided to push aside my brain. Not that we have to push aside our brain when we become a Christian. It's not what I'm saying. There are answers for, if not all, most of our questions. You know, all the difficult questions there's really answers to them. But I, had to, I had in that moment decided to put my trust in the Lord because my analytical brain was getting in the way, and I had to trust the Lord uh, for the sake of two things: my own spiritual growth. And for the sake of being a blessing to somebody else. Because I knew the gifts would help me to grow. And I knew it's going to be a blessing to other people. So I had to push aside you know, my analytical brain. And I don't know where you are at tonight. Maybe you're not familiar with the Holy Spirit. As I said, maybe you are. Maybe you have doubts. Maybe your brain is getting in the way, like mine was. Maybe you got hurt. Maybe you are skeptical. Maybe you are afraid like I was as well. I don't know where you are at this morning, but, oh, this morning, sorry. I preached this morning as well, so I need to make a transition now. It is now, almost 6 o'clock. I'm going to convince you tonight that God is a good God. It's so awesome, that song we did at the end, because this is really, in a sense, the foundation of my message. God is a good God, and the Holy Spirit is a good gift. And I want to take you to a scripture in Luke 11. It's going to illustrate this to you. It says, if a son asks for bread from any father or mother, so let's make it a parent. If a son asks for bread from any parent among you, will he give him a stone? Okay, so for those of you who have read the scripture before, let's just think about this for a moment. Your, a child asks a parent for food, for bread. Is there any parent that's going to give the child a stone in his right mind? No. Okay, now let's look at the next part. It even gets more absurd. If he asks for a fish, will he then give him a serpent instead of a fish? A dangerous reptile you know, instead of a fish. <clears throat> Who's going to do that? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? I mean, is this a really kind of an absurd illustration? Agreed? And then God says, if you then, being evil... Compared to God, we are all evil. Okay, This is why I don't think Jesus is trying to say we are all evil in terms of we are all going to do evil things. But without God, we are born in sin. If we know how to give good gifts to our, to our children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is such a powerful scripture because this removes all fear when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we are like this. You know, we ask God for the Holy Spirit and then we fear that now he's going to give us a serpent. You know, is this language now that I received. Is this the devil? Am I making this up? Is this God? But now I've just asked the Holy Spirit to come to fill me. Why would God give us something bad if our natural parents would never do that if we asked them for bread Jesus wanted to prove a point, you know, that the Holy Spirit is a good gift. It will benefit us. And the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So God will never force the Holy Spirit on us. It's a gift. You know, have you ever come to somebody and then you want to give them a gift and they're like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You know, I'm like, I I, I really want to give you this gift. No, I can't receive it. I can't receive it, you know. Those... People who can't receive, okay? If you are one of those people who can't receive, you must learn to receive. Okay, this is your word for tonight. Because you're not actually blessing the person who wants to bless you. By by saying, please don't, I can't receive this. Oh no, this is, this is just too much. It is not a blessing to not be a good receiver. It is, it is awesome to say, thank you for this gift. You know, <clears throat> asking and receiving a gift it is something we need to learn. It's something we need to grow into. And then, if we as an evil generation are to give good gifts to our children, how much more amazing will be the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Just think about it for a moment. The best gift on this planet can actually not compare to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to illustrate that to you now. So, a list of the nine gifts. The Holy Spirit is found in 1 Corinthians 12, to 7-10. I'm going to run through them. <clears throat> not going to explain anything. Please download Andre's sermons on these gifts if you missed it. But there's words of wisdom, it was words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, healings, working of miracles, prophecy, descending of spirits, different kinds of tongues. they are interesting. There's different kinds of tongues. You need to come to encounter one. And interpretation of tongues. And I really believe God has given us a key to make all of these gifts accessible and a positive experience to Anybody on this planet, whether they are in a charismatic church, whether they are in a traditional church, whether they are Christian, whether they are from another, another uh, kind of faith, no matter what people are and where they come from or what they believe, I believe God's given us a key to make these nine gifts accessible and a positive experience to anybody. And that key, I believe, is found in 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love chapter if you've ever been to a wedding, they're not always using 1 Corinthians 13, but they often do. So I just want to read you the first two verses. Okay, you're all going to recognize this. It says, if I speak in the, in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, what am I? I'm a res, only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. That doesn't sound so good, okay? If I have the gift of prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries, all knowledge. It's a gift of prophecy. It's a gift of knowledge. If I have faith, it can move mountains. It's a gift of faith. But I do not have love. I am nothing. It sounds really negative. Okay, it sounds, oh, 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 let's rather avoid the gifts because it doesn't sound good. Now, I want to show you something. I believe this portion of Scripture is communicating the following, okay? This is a gift, okay? You agree this is a gift, Somebody took the time to wrap it inside say let's say inside there's a gift of the spirit if we want to make this gift accessible to anybody on this planet we need to wrap it in love okay the the wrapping paper should be love and if we do that Let me let me rather say, okay. If we don't do that, if love is not present, it can hurt people, it can confuse people, it can make people run away, and it's supposed to be a gift. But if it's not wrapped in love, we have a problem. Okay, then the gifts become this thing that 1 Corinthians 13 speak about. It's a resounding gong, a clang symbol. It means nothing to nobody. But let's read the scripture again. Okay, then I'm adding something. So if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels and I have love, so we're wrapping the gift of tongues in love, what am I? I'm a beautiful orchestra producing a heavenly sound that can change lives. Everything changes because there's nothing wrong with the gifts. It's powerful. It is a gift. It is beautiful. The problem is if it's not wrapped in love, it could become something that will push people away. I'm going to illustrate that to you now. So if I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries or knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains, and I have love, I can help people to see what God sees. I can help people to understand that God is real, that he loves them with an everlasting love, that nothing is impossible for, 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 for him. I can help people to understand how much God loves them. So... The gift is something beautiful. and If we wrap it in love, it will be a blessing to anybody. You see, the Holy Spirit has two legs, remember? The one is the gifts, so that we've been talking about. What is the other leg of the Holy Spirit? The, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. How many gifts do we have? Nine. How many fruit of the Spirit do we have? Nine. It's very interesting. Okay, I don't know if you've noticed that. There's nine gifts. There's nine fruit. We find the fruit in galatians 5 is 22 love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control so it's not the one or the other it's it's both there's something very powerful that happens when we pursue both the gifts and the fruit i remember my son and i went through the night through these the fruit, the spirit, about two years ago. So he was eight at the time. And now we sit, we read through it. Now we decide we're going to rate one another on the fruit of the spirit. Now Vian goes, he's very confident. He says he gives himself 10 out of 10 for love. And he gives him 10 out of 10 for joy. He's very joyful. He believes he is actually really joyful. And, you know, his ratings are really high, nine or 10 out of 10 for everything. Then he gets to, guess which one? Patience. He goes like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, he can't give him. So he gave himself six. And I said to him, Bian, it, it could actually possibly be less than six. He was like, oh, what do you mean? He's like very offended that I could even, you know. And now he's rating me. So, okay, now he goes through it. He gives me good ratings until he gets to joy, okay. He actually said to me this afternoon, mommy, you are more joyful now. But back, back then, he was like, I need more patience, but you need more joy, <laughs> so it was actually such a wonderful exercise you know to to go through the through the fruit, the spirit and we 're not working for this okay we are not I cannot work up more joy i mean there's been a word on joy to, this morning and tonight. I cannot now work it up and try harder. No, I need to abide in the vine i need to I need to see God, I just need to stay with him. You know, apple is not striving to become an apple. Okay, Apple is just staying connected to the tree and then it becomes an apple. So I'm not saying we work for it. I'm not saying we try harder. However, it's not bad to look at the fruit of the Spirit and say, what do I need to contend for? What do I need to trust God for? Maybe it's self-control. Maybe it's faithfulness. Maybe in your life it's peace. Maybe the, the devil is constantly stealing your peace. So I want to ask you, how evident is the gifts of the Spirit in your life and how evident is the fruit of the Spirit in your life because it's not the one or the other. So I'm going to say something now that is the most important part of my message. So stay awake. The magnitude of the transformation in somebody's life or in my own life, the magnitude of the transformation in somebody's life is dependent on... The integration of the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. So the gift in isolation or the fruit in isolation is, will, will never have the same effect as the integration of both. Let me, let me illustrate it to you. So manifesting the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, peace, patience, goodness, joy, all those things. Manifesting the fruit without the gifts might never change somebody's life. You'll be known to be a kind person. It 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 will be written like she was a kind person. Everybody will know she was a kind person. Or everybody will know that she's got self-control. If you know Hanley Bueta, she's got self-control like crazy. She is just amazing. She's a dietitian. She doesn't touch anything bad. It is just amazing. I I've never met anybody with a self-control that Hanli has. Okay? She will be known for her self-control. However, Kindness, peace, self control, all those things in isolation might never change somebody's life. I'm not saying it wouldn't, it could, but it might never. Manifesting the gifts without the fruit could potentially destroy somebody's life. How can I say that? Destroy is quite a powerful word. There's so many people, they've been exposed to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, where it it was exploited for personal gain, personal profit, or where they felt exposed, they felt they got hurt by people exercising the gifts without wrapping it in a fruit of the Spirit. It can destroy somebody's life. People turn away from Jesus because there's no love. There's no The fruit of the, fruit of the Spirit is absent, but people are practicing the gifts. So the fruit without the Spirit might never change somebody's life, but the the gifts without the fruit could possibly destroy somebody's life. What happens if we combine the two? A gift of the Spirit wrapped in love or wrapped in the fruit, because love, I believe, is just the foundation. It can be wrapped in any fruit. It will most certainly transform somebody's life. So the one might never have any effect. The other one could destroy. The, The combination of the two will transform somebody's life. You know, let me, let me bring it home. You can accurately prophesy over somebody in your workplace every day. You can, in, in fact, you can prophesy over every person at your workplace every day of the week. But if that gift, it's a gift of the Spirit, if that gift is not wrapped in faithfulness, in the fruit of faithfulness, people are going to say, I don't want anything to do with your gift of prophecy. Stay away from me. Can you please just be on time? Can you please actually just do your work? Do your job? Then I will receive your prophecy. So if the gift of prophecy is not wrapped in faithfulness in a work context, it's going to be an empty gift. It's going to be a wasted gift. In fact, it will push people away. If you have a real word of wisdom for somebody, a real word of wisdom that can help people make the right decision, it can help them to... To the, at a crossroad, you have a word of wisdom, but if that word of wisdom is not wrapped in kindness and gentleness, which is the f- fruit of the Holy Spirit, it will be an empty gift. It will be a wasted gift if you package it in a rude way. Okay, it's not packaged in gentleness; it's packaged in a it's in a rude package. Package. <laughs> People are not going to receive your word of wisdom. You can try as you can be. You can, it can be the most accurate word of wisdom ever. If it's in a rude package, you're gonna lose the heart of the person on the receiving end and the gift will be wasted. If you can discern spirits, if you have the gift of discerning spirits and you, you, have, you are sensitive, which is beautiful, you pick up what other people go through, you pick up things in the spirit. If that gift is not wrapped in the fruit of joy, it's gonna, it's gonna be a Heavy loads it's going to be depressing it could even be depressing for people around you because it, it it needs to be wrapped in joy otherwise this gift becomes something that's not a blessing it becomes something that's a heavy load to carry you get this let's turn it around you can be the most kind and gentle person on this planet but it might not necessarily change somebody's life but but Use the, the wrapping of kindness and gentleness and wrap it around the gift of healing. And you have an amazing gift to somebody who's not well. Because that person will feel loved, they will feel cared for, they will feel, uh, they will feel you know, the, the compassion, but they will also be healed. Because if we love people when they're sick, it's beautiful. But what if we can we can give them the gift of healing? wrapped in love, wrapped in kindness? It's the greatest gift you can give anybody who is not feeling well. What about wrapping, wrapping kindness and gentleness and love around a word of knowledge, around the prophetic words? You know we often we often have people actually responding they are not feeling well, so there is a word for say somebody has got an injury. Their right ankle, people respond, sometimes that person is not even healed. But they receive a gift of prophecy, wrapped in love, wrapped in kindness, and their life is transformed forever. So, there's something really powerful about wrapping the gifts in the fruits. And I'm, I'm getting excited about this because I realize it's not the one or the other. The Holy Spirit is not only the gifts. It's not only the fruit. It's a combination of two things. If you look at the life of Jesus, his whole life was about the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit constantly. He loved people well. But he he, he demonstrated the power of God. So he didn't just love. He wasn't just a kind person He manifested the gifts of the Holy Spirit all the time, the gift of faith, the gift of healing. uh, Go through all of them, and you'll see Jesus did all of them. It's amazing. So I'm going to take you through one gift of of the Spirit to illustrate you a few things. I would love to do it with all the gifts, but I'm going to do one, and then you can make it applicable to the rest. Okay, that's your homework. (laughs) Okay, so let's just take the gift of healing. So most of you know a bit of my story. I I battled with a skin disease for 26 years called psoriasis. Your skin cells multiply six times faster. There's no medical cure. And it, it at its worst, it was actually in the Bible times, it was confused with leprosy. It was one of the 21 skin problems that they had to evaluate. Could this possibly be leprosy? So... It actually looks really bad. It's shameful, and um, I dealt with it since the age of ten. So now, in 2012, it's 26 years. There was a group of ladies. They prayed for me, like right here, right here. Okay, I was standing here. They were praying for me, and it was in a season where my skin broke out terribly. I was scratching myself. The blood was flowing. I was. It was very shameful. I didn't. It was May. So praise God. It was May in East London, so I could cover myself. But that night, something happened. They prayed for me. I actually showed them my skin, especially this part of my arm. I still remember I showed them this. And I felt loved. I felt shame being removed from my life completely because I could show them and they they just loved me. And it didn't seem as if anything happened that night. And even if nothing happened... Something dead, I'll tell you now. But even if nothing else happens, I will always remember that night. Because they offered me a gift of healing. They were willing to take the risk and take the step and ask God to give me the gift of healing. But they wrapped it in love. They wrapped it in kindness and gentleness and I will always remember that night, but what makes it even more beautiful and powerful is I did receive that gift. They, they presented, they asked God to heal me, and three weeks later, my skin was 98% clear. And in the last how many years, from 2012 to now, the majority of the time, I'm going to tell you about one exception, my skin was basically, the, the palm of your hand is 1% of your skin's surface. The, the, the spots that come and go they are less than 1% of my skin surface. So for all practical reasons, I'm 99% healed, which is massive if you've seen any photos. I ended up in hospital for two weeks when I was in primary school because it got out of hand completely. Uh, it, it, was, it was a real miracle. But I had to wrestle through what if, or the what if. So I want to answer a few questions. What do we do in terms of healing when certain things happen after we've been prayed for? Okay, Okay. so first of all, I want to address this. What if I pray for somebody and they don't get healed? Okay, so in our church, if you've been coming for a while, you, you will notice we pray for people are not well. We pray for people who hurt their ankles and their shoulders and their backs and we trust the Lord to heal them because people are in pain and they, they, they don't have solutions. So what happens if I pray for somebody and they don't get healed? Well, I want to ask this question. Are you willing to wrap it in love? Are you willing to wrap this gift in love and kindness and gentleness and the fruit of the Spirit? Then it's a win then it doesn't matter whether there's a healing or not because the person will feel love because the miracle ultimately is, is in God's hands. We can't heal anybody. We can love somebody. So I just want to encourage you to not back away from praying for people because the what if they don't get healed. Because if you're willing to wrap it in love, that's enough. The, the miracle is in God's hands. Amen. But we will never, we're never going to tell somebody that you don't have enough faith because they're not healed. So I will never, if I pray for Sheena and she's not healed, I'm never to cover my embarrassment, tell her, but Sheena, you don't have enough faith. That's not a gift wrapped in love. It's a rude gift. It's like accusing somebody. How do I know? How do I know that's the reason? And unfortunately, that is being done sometimes by people. And I just want to assure you, this is not our intention. So if this has ever been happening in our church, I apologize and I ask that you'll forgive us. Because we have seen people being healed who had zero faith. Zero. People who didn't even want it to be prayed for. But somebody had faith. God used it. There was faith in the house or the people who prayed, had faith. But God did a miracle. Amen? So we can never accuse somebody of not having faith. And I know people have been battling. I've personally spoken to people that have been accused of the reason you're not healed is because you don't have enough faith. And some people battle with that for the rest of their lives because now I, I bring it upon myself. It's my fault that I'm not healed. Okay, This is not a gift wrapped in love. You see that? Also, we don't tell people to throw away their medication unless they walk a road with their doctor. Okay, We don't just tell people flush down the all the medication down the toilet because God has just healed you. No, you go to the doctor. If it's a real miracle, the doctor's report will agree. Amen? We partner with doctors. We're not against doctors. We're not competing. This is a partnership. We have the utmost respect for doctors for what they do. I mean, there's two doctors now on Andre's team in porch we, We're partnering with the doctors. They are amazing people. But... You are not expected to, to flush away your medication unless you go to the doctor and walk a road with a person. I mean, you get this? You're also not breaking your glasses unless you can see. And you don't break your crutches unless you can walk. And, but, I mean, it is, it is funny thinking about it, but this is what people sometimes think. If I break my glasses, then I prove I have faith. And then God will heal me. And then they wake up the next morning and they're not healed. And they, their life is destroyed because they step out in faith. They broke their glasses. Okay? This is not the way we do things, all right? We believe in a God who heals, we believe in a God of whom nothing is impossible. But we are not getting weird on people. We wrap this gift in love. Amen? We wrap it in love. We're sitting with a real situation when somebody is sick. And we're not trying to prove a point. We're not trying to prove how powerful we are. Or we're partnering with a God who is love, but he's also powerful. Amen? So a gift, a healing gift wrapped in love will not come with all kinds of interesting twists, you know, to make it look powerful. If it's powerful, it will be powerful. And you will put on your glasses and you won't be able to see anything because your eyes is healed. And then you need to put it down. Okay, and then donate it to somebody else, don't break it. Okay, so if I believe God heals, may I go to the doctor? Or does this mean that I don't have faith? I've had this question from people who are really battling, like Sonika, is this going to look as if I don't have faith? May I take my child to the doctor? If you are sick, if you are ill, if you are battling with things, you do whatever it takes to get well. Amen? You fight for your for the for the peace and the well-being of your body, soul, and spirit, you contend for that. Okay, so yes, please go to the doctor. But there's a but. Consider praying first. Consider actually before you just drive to the doctor, pray for yourself, pray for your friend, pray for your family member. Make it a culture in your home that you go to God first. And if God doesn't heal, in That moment, and your child has a temperature of 40. Please give your child medication. Okay, we're not weird. We are, we are, as real as possible because we're working with people who can get who can walk away from Jesus because things are getting weird. <laughs> okay, so I remember Bian. Uh, he hated medicine. He still hates medicine. So when he had a temperature as a baby, I I, I needed counseling every time after he had a temperature because we had to like hold him, force us open his mouth, and then force us the meds in and just hope that something gets into his body. Okay, It was very traumatic for me. It was really not fun. And so that was the story of our lives. But then when he got older, I don't know, like three or four when they started communicating, then he noticed that we pray for one another. When we get sick, now, he, now then, he, then he had like this angle. He would say, Mommy, you can just pray for me, then I don't have to take any medication." So I mean, it just still a nightmare. Then, then now he's even fighting it with a, like a spiritual reason. But it was beautiful for me that he actually realised this is what we do at home. You know, it it is our culture of praying for one another. So please don't feel guilty to go to the doctor. We believe in a God whom nothing is impossible, but we partner with doctors. I don't want you to ever feel guilty because you make a doctor's appointment. Amen? Okay. But let's at least give God a chance to heal us. Okay? If you leave God out of the equation, that is the problem. If you go from the one specialist to the other and you have not even asked God for healing, that is the problem. Okay. What if God healed me supernaturally and the symptoms come back? It's a question I've been wanting to address for a very long time because there's people battling with this. You know, that was one of my worst, not my worst fears, but one of my biggest questions when I got healed in 2012. What if my psoriasis, what if it comes back? And what do I tell people? Because I I told everybody that I was healed. So what am I going to tell people if it's back? It's going to be very obvious when it's back, especially in summer. And what am I going to tell people? And, you know, so so what happened in February 2016, so four years after I was healed, I shared my detailed testimony in church. I preached on it. I shared quite a few facts. It was recorded. It was part of a healing series. Andre put it on YouTube. There it goes off into the whole world. And surprise, surprise, shortly after that, not only... One percent of my skin surface uh, was was like haunting me, but more. I don't know what the percentage was, maybe three or four. But for me, it was a serious wrestle for my faith. And I was like, God, I've just shared my testimony with the whole world. I'm going to look like a liar. I'm going to look like a fraud. I mean, I feel very strongly about you know sticking to the facts when I share testimony. And now I've just told the whole world that God healed me. Now I'm battling. i quite got a few spots and he doesn't want to go away. And I pray and I you know, try to get rid of them and they don't want to go. And what do I do? And I had to wrestle with this thing. And I just want to say to you tonight, if it happens to you that you are healed, you know that it was healed, whatever it was. And it comes back, number one, you did nothing wrong. Because the first thing the devil wants to tell you, you have done something wrong. There's sin in your life, or God is punishing you, or, you know. You know, I I just believe that whenever God heals us, we're never in a state of perfection in that moment, in any case. So why would he bring it back? Even if you did something wrong, how can that be related? So so I just want to tell you, you did nothing wrong. Okay? And... What do we do when it comes back? We pray again. It's as simple as that. We pray again. And sometimes there's a wrestle for our healing. Sometimes we need to pray again and pray again. Sometimes the, the final breakthrough comes when you pray for yourself. When you take authority. Or a family member takes authority on your behalf. When it's not the pastor praying or the small group leader. And I'm not saying you can't let them pray again. I'm just saying there's a wrestle sometimes for our faith and for our healing. But please don't feel this burden of, surely I must have done something seriously wrong because my back pain is back or my shoulder pain is back. You get what I'm saying? Because there's there's a wrestle for our testimony. And there's a wrestle for our healing. There's a wrestle for people's salvation. this I mean, this morning was amazing. So many people surrendered their lives to Jesus. And I'm saying, God, let them stand in Jesus' name. Let them not fall away. There's a wrestle. The moment there's an open door for a gift, for, for something that God does, there's a wrestle. And we need to understand that. Okay? We need to understand that sometimes we need to wrestle it through. So let me just summarize for us. I love buying gifts for people. It really energizes me to think about a gift that would bless somebody and to make an effort to get it to them and wrap it. But if I buy a gift for somebody and I wrap it in the nicest wrapping paper ever, it will always just be a gift that will bless them. If I take a gift of the Spirit and I wrap wrap it in a fruit of the Spirit, it will always be a gift that will transform somebody forever. I can give somebody the nicest, nicest gift wrapped in the nicest, nicest paper. It will never transform. It will bless. Maybe there will be a a measure of transformation when people feel love. There's always a measure of transformation but, you know, if you've ever been given a gift of the Spirit wrapped in a fruit, you'll know that it's the greatest gift anybody can ever give you. When they prayed for me that night here in 2012, and three weeks later, my skin was 98% clear. It has never happened like that. My mom, everybody who knows me, agrees. It doesn't go away like that. It takes it takes years for the cycle to turn around. It has never happened like that. And if you've battled for 26 years with a skin disease that made you feel shameful, that you had to pay thousands to the best doctors in Cape Town to, to give you something that could possibly help, if you literally try everything when you read in a magazine, this is the next cure for psoriasis, then I get it. If you've been through that for 26 years, and somebody gives you the gift of healing wrapped in gentleness and love and compassion and, and kindness, you'll never be the same again. And you'll know that that is the greatest gift that you can give to anybody. You know, if you, if you don't sleep for nine weeks and you go through a nine-week season, nine weeks, it, it, it doesn't really sound long, but it, it's an eternity if you don't sleep. If you go through a nine-week cycle of hell, of torment, and you can't sleep, you feel depressed, you feel tormented, you feel fearful, you feel condemned, you feel ashamed, you feel as if this thing has been dumped on you, all your old stuff has been dumped on you, and you're going through a season of nine weeks, you don't know what to do, the whole church is praying, it's not helping, and somebody comes after nine weeks, he gives me the gift of faith, and the gift of prophecy, wrapped in kindness. And in love and in gentleness, you will know it's the greatest gift anybody can give you because somebody did that for me. 2015, second term, I was tormented. Some of you know about it. For nine weeks, it felt as if all my old issues came back. I went through a very difficult season, both Andre and I. Couldn't understand what was going on. And we were praying night and day and and nothing seemed to help and we had a dinner appointment with friends in church after nine weeks. I was awake until four o'clock that morning. Oh, I felt so ashamed. I felt so defeated. I didn't want to go. I wanted to cancel. I mean, who wants to go, you know, socializing with people when you don't sleep for nine weeks and then that specific morning you're awake until four and... And I know they're going to ask me, are you sleeping? And I know I would need to answer, no, I'm not sleeping. And I don't even want to go there. I don't want to even have the discussion. So we go. Praise God, we did go. And that night, you know, this couple, the husband looked at me and he said, Sonica, I know people have prayed for you. And I know the whole church is praying for you. And I know you're still struggling. But tonight, it's going to shift. You know, I, I, I literally could feel the gift of faith in that room. I had zero faith. Zero. I actually wanted to avoid the discussion. And he just said to me, Sonica, tonight it's going to shift. He just made like a statement. And they prophesied over me 30 minutes of of words about who I am, my role in the church, my role as Andre's wife. And that night, a nine-week cycle of hell shifted in my life. And I've been given a gift of faith And of prophecy, or that operated through somebody, and they wrapped it in kindness and in love. And if if somebody would have offered me a million rand, it would not have compared to that, because it set me free. So I'm dreaming about a church, dreaming about us as a church, who will not only pursue the gifts of the Spirit, but will also manifest the fruit of the Spirit. I'm dreaming about us as a church who will... Will be known for love, but also known for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Because it's not the one or the other. It's not. So many churches pursue the one, and so many churches pursue the other, and then there's churches pursue both. And this is what I want our church to be like. It's not the one or the other, but it is. It it is something that will transform East London forever. You see, also the, the the fruit of love help us to get over ourselves. You you can't pray for that person for healing because you're just scared. But if you really, if you if love drives you, you will get over yourself. If this if the fruit of the spirit is so evident in our lives, it will help us to get over ourselves to practice the gifts. Because so what? And I'm saying this to myself because there's so many opportunities that I miss. Because I feel uncertain and, and I just know if my love increases for people, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care. You know, I was in a, in a DVD shop, when was it? Yesterday? You know, and I asked the girl how she's doing and she said, no, she's not no, doing so well. And, and I, and I, I knew God wanted me to pray for her. But then there were other people, you know, they were like customers and I felt, you know, now my analytical brain goes like, you know, this is, I can't now pray for, it's like a really small shop, and there's people wanting DVDs, and I don't know what to do. There's not even like a corner where we can pray. But I should have at least asked her, and I didn't. And I drove away, and I I said to Vian, because the two of us went there, I said, Vian, I should have prayed for her. And I didn't. (laughs) You know, and I just know if my love and my compassion and my kindness, if that increases... I wouldn't be able to walk away from a situation like that because my heart will break. Because God's hearts break for people in East London. And if we can mix the gifts and the fruit, if we can take a gift and we wrap it in the fruit of the Spirit, it's going to transform this city forever. Amen. Amen? Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.